of your heart. Hallelujah. Go ahead and love him. Would you stand all across this place? Hallelujah. Lift his name. The way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the giver of light. Hallelujah. Would you love him from the bottom of your heart? Lord, we love you, Jesus. We magnify your name, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My, my, my. What a mighty God we serve. Pastor leaned over. We were kind of going back and forth a second there. What, what do these other folks look forward to that don't worship the one true God? We've had missionaries that will come through and say that the motivation that parents will use in some of these false doctrines where they'll tell their children, if you don't do this, Allah's going to put you in the fire. You know, it's kind of our motivation around Christmas. You know, if you don't clean your room, you don't get Santa Claus and go bring you presents. We have the mighty God in Christ. in a building like this made with hands hopeless and find hope lost and we can be found we can walk into a building like this that's no greater than the building next door necessarily but our God is here he's here with us he's for us he's in us he's touching he's moving he's 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 on our side he's fighting on our behalf he's ahead of us He's behind us. He's beside us. Hallelujah. He's our hope, our strength, our salvation. Can I get an amen? God bless you. Turn with me, if you will, John chapter 5. I've done so good. Two folks want to be baptized before I've even said a word. God bless you. You're dismissed. I won't keep you long. I am excited to see somebody, amen, be born again of the water tonight. More than one. Hallelujah. Excited about that. That's the spirit of revival. That's the result of prayer and fasting. Amen. That pastor has seen the vision for this church. Thank you, pastor, for that. Thank you, pastor, for the message that you preached this morning. How about the watchman up on the tower? Amen. That's what he was doing this morning. Amen. He was pastoring his people. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I, and, uh, I told him, you know, you could just cancel tonight and just say when we get what we do what you said this morning then we can come back and get something else amen god is good what a great message i'm thankful for his faithfulness to us amen and having an anointed pastor john chapter 5 beginning with verse 6 when jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already had been there in that condition a long time he said to him do you want to be made well the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the waters are stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And that's what I'll preach, preach to you tonight. Take up your bed and walk. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for your grace and your mercy, your power and your presence that we have felt in this place already. I pray, Lord, that you minister to every heart, every mind, that you inspire us, encourage us, strengthen us tonight, O oh Lord, and make us whole in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. 
Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I've mentioned this story before, and just because I don't want to go into the detail that I have before, amen, and get you to be bored with what I've got to say, amen, I will just simply tell you this, that there are things that we go through in our life, amen, that we have experienced for a long time, and there are things, amen, that happen to us and circumstances and situations that take place over time, amen. If I can just tell you this, our one of our a lot of the folks that are here, one of our former pastors summed it up like this. Sometimes you are born, you suffer, and then you die. Amen. And that is even, amen, if you are a Christian, amen. This life can beat you up a little bit once in a while. And even folks that seem, amen, there are some that we can look around and it seems like they have a lot good things going on and no problems in their life, amen. And we look at them and we think they've got it on an easy street, but guess what? Eventually the shoe drops and life catches up, amen. And, and uh, as athletic as I stand before you and appear right now, amen, I do have some aches and pains in my body. It's just life, praise God. We just come up against some stuff, and sometimes we feel like it's not fair, amen, but it's not fair or unfair, amen. The Bible says that the rain, it rains on the just and the unjust, and the sun shines on everybody, amen. Praise the Lord, if I can summarize it that way. So we all experience life, amen. But there is that moment that we have when we should, and I pray that everybody eventually does, has that moment and that encounter with Jesus, amen, where things can become turned around for you and I, amen. We may still have to live the same life, amen, but we don't have to live the same way. We may still face trouble and trial and even some tragedy, amen, in this life, amen, but we have it uh, with we have a hope in Christ, praise the Lord, that most folks don't have and can't find even though they are looking for it. He said something to this man, take up your bed and walk. And so I decided, like I do sometimes, I'm a little simple at some of my approaches, praise God, I decided to just look up the definition of walk, amen. And so one of the definitions, I'll read a couple of them to you, was the most obvious one, to move along on foot or advance by steps. Can I just using this story in the Bible, this example in the Bible, tell you that what Jesus could be saying to you today, like he was saying to that man there, is sometimes it's just time to move forward. That it's time that you have been laying here long enough and you have been making excuse after excuse or maybe they aren't excuses and you have legitimate problems, amen, that are keeping you from standing on your feet and taking a step, amen. I'm here to tell you when you have the power of the Holy Ghost, amen, you have the power, praise God, to put one foot in front of the other and move forward, amen. Sometimes in the spirit it's time to get out from to get away from being hung up, amen, on what how life has treated us or how those around us have treated us or mistreated us, amen. And every once in a while, it may not get any better than this on Sunday night, church, so I'm just going to talk to you from my heart, amen. But once in a while, it's time that the master says and sees all things in our life and says, I know it's tragic, I know it may be unfair, I know it hurts, I know, amen, it seems impossible, but you've got to put one foot in front of the other, amen, and advance. Can I get an amen? 
Now the other definition says that it's to pursue a course of action or a way of life. It's how we conduct ourselves. It's how we behave. Amen. Can I tell you this? Praise the Lord. And I'm going to get into some other things. Amen. But there are circumstances in our life. Amen. That we want to blame everything on. And once in a while we have got to just take up our bed and move on. Hallelujah. And behave a different way. Amen. What does it mean to walk with the Lord? Praise God. We can look through and, and we can uh, dissect scriptures from Old Testament to New. Amen. And we can find those that found themselves in a relationship with the Almighty God. Amen. And they walked with Him. And they were partners with Him. They were hand in hand with Him. Amen. And they lived. Although trouble and trial and battles and wars and fights came and knocked at their door. Amen. They still lived. A triumphant life. You know why? Because they had taken up their bed and decided that when they put one foot in front of the other they're not going to just wander aimlessly in any direction. Amen. But they're going to walk. Amen. With the Lord. I'm here to tell you tonight it's time for one, for a few of us and all of us that we take up our bed and walk. Amen. He did not say leave that bed alone. Leave that bed behind. Amen. Or take it with you somewhere and toss it in the next dumpster amen he picked that thing up I don't know what he did with it I'm not even going to try and use my imagination but I'm here to tell you this amen that once in a while we're going to walk around in this life amen and we are going to carry our past with us amen not in a condemning way not in a way that brings us down hallelujah but sometimes we will have to use our past experiences and our healings and our overcomings of great hurt hallelujah to minister and conduct ourselves in this life hallelujah take up your bed and walk amen what does that mean that there are things in your life that you may carry with you but you're still expected to walk hallelujah let's look at one of the greatest cases amen and one of the greatest victory life victories that there were in the bible amen philippians Chapter 3, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about Paul, amen. He said in, in verse 3 of chapter 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more, Paul says, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, is touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me. Let me stop there. He is indicating that these were things that he thought of as gain. This is Paul before his encounter with the Most High God. Hallelujah. This is Paul before he had his encounter, amen, with the Savior, praise God, of our souls. Watch this. The he was circumcised on the eighth day, amen, of the stock of of Israel. He was the a descendant, a man of and he uses in this in this uh, uh in this uh, paragraph in this description when he's giving his pedigree amen he says I am a descendant amen of the Israelites praise God he is using the highest name possible giving to those that were followers praise God 
of Jacob. Hallelujah. He was saying that when he said, I am circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel. He was saying, praise God, I am a direct descendant, amen, of Jacob. I have not been added to the house of Israel. I've not been circumcised into it when I'm 13 years old like Ishmael was, amen. He says, I was direct a direct descendant of the Israelites. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am from the stock of Israel. He goes on to give his pedigree and he says, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, amen. He's saying, I'm part of and from the tribe that gave Israel their first king ever, hallelujah. The tribe that never swerved in their allegiance, amen, to the house of David, praise God. Where after the captivity, they united even with Judah, praise God, and the Levites to go back and build the house of the Lord. Paul was saying, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Amen. I'm letting you know that I'm, I'm an Israelite. I'm letting you know that I'm, I was not just grafted into this. I was born into this. It's in my bloodstream. He says, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I just want you to know, I'm from one of the greatest tribes that there were that never swerved in its allegiance. Amen. He says, he goes on to say, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, amen. He maintained the original Hebrew language, amen. He taught from scriptures, from the original Hebrew, praise the Lord. He was saying, amen, that as a de descendant, not only myself, but my parents, as we are descendants of the great, uh, one of our great fathers, Jacob, amen, I have maintained that teaching and I've maintained that life. It's in my blood, hallelujah. He said it's touching the law. I'm a Pharisee, amen. He was a uh, he was by birth an Israelite. By his education, amen, he was a Hebrew. But by choice, he was a Pharisee, amen. He followed the strictest and tightest form of the Old Testament law. He followed the strictest and tightest form of the teachings, amen, of Moses. He said, as touching the law, I am a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He was letting us know I was not only a Pharisee, but I was an energetic zealous Pharisee, amen, that I went after those and I, and I felt like I was serving God when I was persecuting the church. He was letting them know that concerning, amen, the zeal I was persecuting the church. I was doing what I felt like I was supposed to do. I did all that I could do. I was willing to kill for what I believed in. That's what Paul said. Teaching is touching the righteousness which is in the law the Bible tells us and Paul lets us know that he was blameless. Those formal laws and rules that were set up. He said, I didn't break any of them. I followed all of them. I was blameless. Hallelujah. Imagine, praise God, if you will, as he uh, is, is pre-savior, if you will. He says, these things I counted as gain. Amen. I thought that they were profitable. They became my priorities. I poured my entire life into my teaching and my pedigree and my upbringing and my goals and the things that I would attain. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, I gave everything that I could. I was zealous for it. It was a priority in my life. Amen. And I gave, I poured my life into it and was willing to take the lives of those that opposed me and willing to lock them up in jail. Amen. Read Acts chapter, if you will with me, Acts chapter 8. 
This is immediately after Stephen was, was stoned. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 1, it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. In other words, Saul was standing by the side, amen, as Stephen was being uh, stoned for declaring and preaching the truth that is in the word of God. True one God salvation, amen. And Paul stood beside and it says that he not only stood there and observed, but he consented, amen, to Stephen's death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Can I take a minute here to tell you that Paul was not looking at himself as a murderer, that Paul was not looking at himself as a racist or somebody that was full of hatred. Paul thought that he was doing the work of the Lord. Paul thought that he was in God's will. He thought that he was killing heretics. He thought that he was imprisoning those that were opposed, amen, to, to the God that he had been raised to believe in and the God that he had been taught about. Hallelujah. And then Saul, Acts chapter 9, Read with me here. And then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, amen, and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he, if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around from him from heaven. When he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Hallelujah. Can I stop here just for a second? This isn't in my notes, but I want to say it. Amen. Paul, with all of his education and with all of his zeal, and say it with me, with all of his sincerity, say sincerity. With all of his sincerity, amen, Jesus knocks him off of his horse. And Paul, laying there, says, what just happened? And Jesus says to him, Paul, why do you persecute me? Amen. Can I tell you that you can be as sincere as you can be, but there is a truth that must be obeyed. There is a way, hallelujah, that must be followed. Hallelujah. You can be as zealous as you want. You can be as educated as you can be, and we're not teaching or preaching against any of those things. Amen. They are good things. They are right. Hallelujah. But they do not save you. Hallelujah. What saves you is an unadulterated, untwisted, unmanipulated, hallelujah, scriptures and word of God hallelujah there is a Bible way there is a way that God has set before us that must be followed hallelujah and Saul with all of your sincerity with all of your zeal with all of your education you are still wrong Jesus said why do you persecute me and he said who are you Lord and the Lord said I am Jesus whom thou persecutest it's hard for you to kick against the goads and so he trembling and astonished said Lord what do you want me to do I want to stop here for just a second imagine what Paul is going through at this point all that he has done hallelujah and he will go from this point and they will partner him up because he, he the Lord puts some blindness over him so they'll 
partner him up with a couple of disciples, amen, and Paul will eventually go and he will find, amen, true salvation and he will be baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ and he will be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know why? That's the Bible way, hallelujah. That's all I can tell you. It's just the Bible way. But imagine what must have gone through Paul's mind as he rolled over the years that were behind him and he thought about all that he had done, starting out, first of all, with his pedigree and the years that he had been dedicated from birth, amen, and the years that he had committed and dedicated, amen, to the law and the years and the zeal that he had invested his life in, amen, into trying to do what he thought was right praise God imagine as he began to roll through current events and, and, and recent events and even the task that he was on the road to Damascus to do amen imagine when that confronts him face to face and hits Paul between the eyes amen that in everything that you were doing that you thought you were doing right in all of those things you were wrong Pretty hard pill to swallow. That Paul now, as he's being told what true, amen, salvation and deliverance is. Can you imagine what Paul is, is going, what is going through Paul's mind, amen, as he struggles and battles within himself thinking that those that were really teaching this gospel that I now know, hallelujah, can you imagine the wrestling match that was in Paul's emotions, the wrestling match that was going on in his head. Imagine that first night when the scales fell off his eyes and he laid down in bed you know that he didn't sleep a wink but he stared at the ceiling thinking about the screams and the terror thinking about those that were even behind bars that night because of him think about the the the, the tragedy and the and the insult and the pain that must have been in Paul's heart looking over the things that he had done the things that he had believed the things that he had set into motion hallelujah only to be faced with the very thing that he opposed he was actually opposing what was right amen anybody ever think about it like that how horrible that would have been amen not just not just the the the, the killings and the imprisonings amen but there's something about tradition amen and false doctrine and religion that's even harder to get over than even those things Tradition, religion, and doctrine is even harder to get over, amen, than sinful things, amen. Great sins we can move on and get by, but tradition and religion, it seems like it just stays there, a hurdle and a stumbling block, hallelujah. So Paul had all of those things, imagine, to try and get over, hallelujah. And here's what Paul did, praise God. As soon as the scales fell off his eyes and he woke up the next morning, Paul began to say, I've got to find somewhere to go tell somebody about this Jesus. I've got to find somewhere to go tell somebody about this gospel. Let me tell you what Paul was doing Paul was taking up his bed and he was walking away Paul was getting up out of his place amen and he was moving forward hallelujah Paul I'm not I'm not I don't even know what the thorn in Paul's flesh was but there are some that think that it was mental amen it was a mental thorn in his flesh it was something that haunted him day in and day out that he constantly thought about the things that he had done and the terrible things he had seen and set into motion but I'm here to tell you that he still took up his bed and he walked 
amen. He still got up out of his place and he did what was right. I want to encourage you here tonight. I don't know who's here. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but there are some things in your past and I don't know if they're tradition. I don't know if they're religion. I don't know if they're pains. I don't know if they are hurts. I don't know if somebody has hurt you in the church or out of the church or in your family or among your friends. Hallelujah. I don't know what you battle at night when you lay down and you stare at the ceiling, but I'm here to tell you that if you could just have an encounter with the most high God tonight, if you can have an encounter with Jesus Christ, he knows how long you've been laying in that place. He knows how long you've been thinking about it. He knows how long you've been hurting. He knows how long you've been confused. He knows how long you've been weak. He knows how long you've been sick. And he's here today to tell you, take up your bed and walk. I'm not one and I don't believe it's my place to tell you just to get over it and move on. That's that's not very sensitive. Hallelujah. But what I am telling you, that even if you still hurt, even if you're still confused, even if you're still weak, you could put one foot in front of the other. You can make some advancements tonight. You can progress tonight. You can move forward tonight. Why? He's on your side. Hallelujah. Paul said in Philippians, let me finish because I, I went halfway through verse 7. I did it on purpose in our opening text. Amen. But let me read the second half. Watch this. This is Paul's, amen, when Paul was giving his pedigree and he was talking about the things that he had accomplished and experienced and done and all of those, and he was saying, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty smart guy and I've, I've seen some things. Amen. Watch this. Paul now post Jesus' encounter. Paul's perspective and Paul's goals have changed. He said, but what things were gained to me. Say gain to me. Those I counted loss for Christ. Oh, hallelujah. What things were gained to me. Those I counted loss for Christ. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about on the eighth day I was circumcised from the, from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm, I'm a Pharisee. I'm blameless. He said all of those things now that were so near and dear to me, all of those things that I held close to me, I now count them as loss. Does that mean they're bad? Does that mean get rid of No, that just means that they're no longer important to Paul. They're no longer at the top of his priority list. He said, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He's saying nothing else matters. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Hallelujah. And in Philippians 1.20 he says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
There's that word again. Remember, he said, I thought those things, those things that I once thought were for gain, I now count them as loss. And then he ends this to say, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Hallelujah. He understood if I die poor, if I die hurting, if I die alone, if I die without any worldly goods, if I don't have anything to my name, if nothing else goes my way, I have Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior. He's saying, if I die, I still gain. If I die, I still win. If I leave this life early, I'm still a champion of hope. Hallelujah in this life. Praise God. Praise God. There's an attitude adjustment, amen, when we come to Jesus and we experience for the first time that repentance and that being baptized. You gentlemen that will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ tonight, amen. If nothing else happens to you in that moment, I can still guarantee you this. When you come up out of that water, Brother Kozart, you will feel like a new man or a new woman. You will feel a change. Amen. And, and God, if God sees fit to fill you with his spirit, amen, there is nothing greater than that. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you this. You may still take up your bed. You may still walk out of here and face some problems and some troubles when you get home. But if you can leave here with Jesus, you win. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you can leave here with him on your side and in your heart and working in your life hallelujah to die is gain what does that mean you want to die no but if I leave here and nothing else happens I have won and I'm on top and I've got it and I'm a winner hallelujah and a champion amen praise God Philippians chapter 3 brethren I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of of God in Christ Jesus hallelujah I'm here to tell you today if you want real change in your life hallelujah I'm not talking about wealth and riches and lottery tickets and mansions and Mercedes hallelujah but if you want true real change in your life it's going to be not by those things that are in your past it's not going to be by the things that are in your present it's going to be by the grace and the power of God hallelujah it's going to be by repenting and being baptized in the name of Jesus it's going to be by being filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That power that overcomes all things, all sin, all troubles. Hallelujah. In your life. How? By making them go away. No. But you live above them. You live triumphant in them. Hallelujah. You become His. Hallelujah. Amen. You, amen, can have true change if you're willing to walk. Amen. Listen to Paul's answer to the greatest question that we all have. How can I do it? How can I do it in this life that seems like things are just impossible? That every time, not, not everybody feels this way, I understand, because some of you will probably look at me like, well, some people really go through it. Some people do really go through it. Even the folks, amen, that would be honest with themselves and say, you know, I, I've, I've got the white picket fence and the, and the dog and the two kids and the house and the car. I, I've, got, I've got some um, success or accomplishments in this life, in this flesh, as Paul would say, amen. Even those people wake up sometimes in the morning and when their two feet hit the floor, it's cold and it's dark and you wonder how you're going to do it. Can I get an Amen. 
Anybody with me? Some mornings I wake up and I wonder when, I, when I'm faced with the things that life has to offer or the things that God is asking me to do, I wonder how in the world am I going to do that? How am I going to make it? Paul says this, Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation just because if you read this in the King James or even in the New King James, it seems to kind of bounce back and forth and it, it, this just interprets it a little a little. More plain, if you will. Will you allow me to do that? New Living Translation, Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse, amen, 14. We're going to go through 8 and 2. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. Can I get an amen? For I am all too human. Can I get a better amen? A slave to sin. This is Paul talking. I don't really understand myself. Can I get an amen? For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle in life. That when I want to do right, when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Can I get an amen? I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. This is verse 24. In your Bible, it may say, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. Verse 25. The answer... To all of that, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of Of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You know what Paul said? I know there's a war inside. I know that it seems like around every corner there's trouble. I know that it seems like sometimes when you feel like it's smooth sailing, all of a sudden you kick your big toe on the coffee table. Amen? Paul said, I know that there's a war inside of you. I, I understand that there's hurdles in life. I get it that you, you, you really get up in the morning and plan on doing what you're supposed to do. That message we heard this morning, I bet there were folks that left here and said, you know what, I'm going to go to the restaurant and I'm going to tell somebody about the gospel. And then we got there and our tea was unsweet instead of sweet and we chewed the waitress out and it was over. Paul said, I, I get that. I get that. And he said, but there's an answer in Jesus Christ. 
the power of the Spirit and the presence and the power of God, when it works in us, it works miracles. Sister Cindy, will you come? Let's stand to our feet. I've, I've taught before, and there is a, a concept, amen, that I love. Praise the Lord. I don't, I don't know if I, I'm, not, I'm not saying, you guys know me, I, I'm not. I'm no dummy, but I'm not, I'm not claiming to understand all things, okay? <laughs> There's something so powerful about the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, we, we focus in the Bible. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost was pour, poured out, when Jesus was saying, go and wait, and he said, when you, when, if you wait and you tarry there, you're going to be endued with power from on high. Okay? And when we hear that word power and we start talking about miraculous things pastor I mean we're, we're human beings that's where our mind goes we start thinking about withered hands that are stretched out and folks that get up out of wheelchairs and folks that get knees just replaced out of nowhere and they never see a doctor or shoulders that are healed or cancer that was there and now it's not there and tumors that was there and now it's not there and families that get put back together that never never would have made it without the intervention of God we think about those power things. But then we read in the epistles and we start reading in the letters to the churches and things and we start hearing stuff, Brother Buford, like, love your neighbor. Love them that spitefully use you. Love them that talk bad about you. Love them that lie on you. Love them that deceive you. Love your enemy. Can I tell you that in the flesh, that is is impossible let me tell you what's more powerful when we use that word power the power to love an enemy comes from the Holy Ghost the power to love somebody that won't love you back that's power the power in the Holy Ghost to go through something tragic and still feel peace that's the power of the Holy Ghost to have life falling apart and caving in on you all around you. But you still stand. You still trust. You still wait. That's the power of the Holy Ghost that we need. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's everyday power. But preacher, you don't know where I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how I think. You don't know how confused I am. You don't know what, what I've got to get over or through or around. Hallelujah. I don't know. But I do know a power that comes from on high. Hallelujah. That can do all things and anything and everything. All the time. Every time. With everyone. Everywhere. Nothing intimidates him. Nothing thwarts his purpose. Nothing surprises him. Hallelujah. Amen. Nothing weakens him. He does not sleep and he does not slumber. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, you can do all things through Christ. Hallelujah. I don't know what they're going to sing. I don't know what they're going to play. I talked to uh, Titus Tubb this morning. I knew I was preaching this message. Amen. I knew what the subject matter was, so I just leaned over to him. He and I were standing up here together in the altar. I leaned over to him, and I said, I'm glad I'm standing here next to you. I said, just give me 
one word or one process. Just give me a clue. Real brief, dumb it down for me. How would you tell someone, even with the Holy Ghost, how to get up and move forward? He told me, Brother Buford, maybe you know about it. He had mentioned the empty chair theory. He said in some of his sessions and some of his counseling, amen, they will set out an empty chair. And he said, there's nothing in that chair. There's nobody there. But they will prompt them and they will encourage them to speak to things or people or places or circumstances in their life. I hope I'm getting this right. Or circumstances in their life and pretend like they are sitting in that chair. And they, they are supposed to, in their mind and in their emotions, they are supposed to speak to those things that they don't want to be in the same room with. They're supposed to have conversations with those people that they don't want to have a conversation with. That they're supposed to use that as a method of closure. Can I just use that in the spirit right now? Because that's pretty good advice. These altars right now are empty. But you have a God that cares for you. My Bible says, cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. Not you if, you. Right where you are right now. As lost as you are, as hurt as you are, as broken as you are, as chipped up as your vessel is, whatever the case may be, cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. I wonder if there's anybody in this service tonight that came here tonight and said, you know what? I've got some financial trouble. I've got some aches and pains in my body. I've got some family problems. I've got some kids that don't act right, let alone live right. I've got some, some issues in my life. I've got some issues in my mind. I've got some issues in my family, in my health. I've got all these things. I wonder if there's anybody here you would be willing to come to right now what is an empty altar and you'd be begin to cast your cares upon a God that cares for you. Is there anybody that would come that needs healing? Is there anybody that would come that needs a, a touch in their family, that needs their children to be straightened up? Is there anybody here that needs God to bless their finances? Is there anybody here that feels like your sins are something that's impossible for you to get over, but you want to come and cast them to Him? You want to come and lay them at this empty altar? Is there anybody else? One, two, three have come. Is there anybody in the back? You've been going through something, saint of God. You're already filled with the Holy Ghost, but there are some things that keep creeping up on you from your past. There are some things that keep getting up and walking beside you and whispering in your ear and telling you, you can't do it, you can't make it, you're too weak, you're too little, you're too insignificant. Is there anybody here? That's great. That's awesome. We got eight, nine, ten. We got folks that are coming to what seems to be an empty altar, but there's a God that's waiting here on them that knows how long they've been in their circumstance. Like that man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus knew how long he had been there. I'm here to tell you, God knows what you're going through. God knows what's in your life. God knows what's in your mind. God knows what's in your heart. God knows what's going on at the workplace. God knows what's going 
on in your classrooms. God knows what's going on in your home. He knows what's in your mind. Hallelujah. Would you begin to come? Would you just begin to find a place? Hallelujah. And put your knees in the carpet. Maybe put your face in the carpet. Hallelujah. Don't just line up along the wall. Hallelujah. Don't just line up and fold your arms. Would you find an empty chair? Would you find an empty pew? Would you find an empty altar? Hallelujah. An empty step. An empty stair. And would you really actually cast your cares